No fighting in the bedroom. I don't know if you heard this. Bedrooms are made for two things, sleeping and sex. Faith and Failures Podcast. What are some exercises or habits that couples can adopt to improve their relationships? Two rules. Okay, we, we always add after this, so okay. Two rules. Number one, 30 minutes of conversation a night. Real conversation. Yeah. Okay. Sit down, look at each other, and have a conversation. Talk about your dreams. Don't don't talk about work. Don't talk about the weather, and don't talk about kids. Talk about your dreams, your aspirations, things like that. Yeah. If you can, journal it. 30 minutes a night. You got to keep communicating somehow. Okay. The other rule is, is no fighting in the bedroom. Do you know how many people start a fight when they go to bed? No fighting in the bedroom. I don't know if you heard this. Bedrooms are made for two things, sleeping and sex. So those are my two rules that I, first session I always implement. It's pretty good. I don't know if I've ever fought in the bedroom. So then the second thing is, is this. Three rules that I try to live by, okay? Number one, I don't love my spouse. Love is a passive word. I'm in love with my spouse. Because when I'm in love with my spouse, I constantly pursue her. It's good. Okay. I will pursue Lori as long as I'm in love with her. I love Mexico. But I don't pursue it. I don't pursue okay. it. <laughs> don't pray for your spouse. Go ahead, Pastor Stephen. Get in the okay. Pray over your spouse. I like that. Okay. There's many promises in the Bible about marriage and about, about people. Pray those promises over your spouse. Yeah. And then the last one is, and I'm going to get another word. Look, <laughs> cheat for your marriage. Don't cheat in your marriage or on your marriage. <laughs> cheat for your marriage. Didn't you say go have an affair earlier? What <laughs> yeah. did you say? <laughs> yeah. Go have an affair. Now I'm saying cheat for cheat on your marriage. Cheat for your marriage. Figure out what your spouse's love language is and cheat to make sure you achieve that every day. Take that shortcut. For me, like I said, I had to program my phone for the text message. Yeah. The other thing I had to do is my wife's love language is physical touch. Yeah. She loves to be cuddled. So for a while, I set my alarm 15 minutes before hers so that when she woke up, I was cuddling with her. That's what I mean by cheat. That's awesome. That's uh, definitely cheating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of times our spouse's love languages don't come natural to us. You're, you're, next time you buy Jesse a card, I want you to think of this. I don't do cards, but go ahead. <laughs> don't buy a card that you like. Yeah. We are so good at that. We buy a card we like. That's how we do our love I like, languages. I like we buy. We, I like this card. I'm going to buy from it. Buy one they like. Yeah. Okay. I'm sarcastic. <laughs> Lori had to learn how to do this. Lori buys me some of the funniest cards there are in the world. Yeah. Okay. And so we do our love language like that too. So my love language is intimate touch. So I'm going to hang all over Bill. No, get away from me. Yeah. All right. Don't. That's not my love language. Yeah. I uh, I had a friend, and he was he was talking about him and his wife having some issues and kind of them being on the different pages. And so I asked kind of how that looked and, you know, love languages, you know, that's kind of the a starting point in a marriage to kind of get on the same page is being able to speak each other's language. Not they speak yours, but you speak theirs. And he kind of told me what he thought hers was and what his was. And I said, well, how do you, how do you give gifts? How do you show her that you love her? And so his first response and the first reaction was to do what he liked, but that doesn't translate. That's what we often do. We'll, what we like, we'll put on somebody else when, and it, it becomes a selfish thing or, or a misunderstanding when we should be doing what they like, not what we like, because we're trying to speak their language, not them speak ours. And so we need to be able to, if she's touch and feely and I'm gifts, which I am, I'm gifts, hundred percent. Me giving her a gift, I'll think I'm doing something. <laughs> and she's like, this is dumb. I've done it or, several or times. Even, even if her, so like, one of Lori's is quality time too. So 
quality time is not getting on my motorcycle. He's going for a ride. <laughs> Come on, my yes, wife, it my is. My wife does not like to ride the motorcycle, so you know, especially at night. That especially at night. Those those are the things we got to look at. The other one is this: we talk about love language. How about language of apology? Mm. What is an apology in your book? Is it "I'm sorry, hey babe, I'm sorry"? Some people that's okay. Some people it's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm truly sorry for acting like this." And this is what I'm going to do to remedy it. Some people, it involves a gift. Yeah. You got to figure out what your spouse expects for an apology. Because otherwise, you're just throwing out blankets. Well, one of the things that, like if her and I get into it, so one of her, probably two is quality time and, and touch. Like she always likes to to be touching and then she wants to, to be around me, which is good. But <laughs> it's very good for our marriage. But if I, if we get in an argument or things are heated or one of us has an attitude, whether it was me or whether it was her who started it and then now we're both in attitude, I will eventually, I try to implement two things. One, an apology. And two, I try to hold it when I say. Mm-hmm. And that right there heals whatever happened instantly. And then we're immediately, both of us will will talk like nothing ever happened. Because when I tell her I'm sorry, I'm holding her and I really mean it. That's the security aspect. That physical touch holding her is a security that I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. So that's good. I'm a relationship genius is what he's trying to say. (laughs) You are. I'm just trying to figure out what you're arguing about because aren't you a pastor? We don't argue as pastors. Well, we have uh, spiritual disagreements. Okay. Right. (laughs) Spiritual enlightenment. Do you have, are are you a reader, an avid reader? I, I love to travel because when we go up north, we listen to books on tape. Yeah. So what would be some, in this category of relationship, what would be some that you would recommend? Um, Marriage on the Rock. Jimmy Evans wrote that. Okay. That's a pretty good book. It actually teaches young couples how to break away from their spouse. Not their, I'm sorry. I told Lori my words weren't going good today. <laughs> to break away from their, their um, parents. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone goes back to, well, we got to honor our parents. You know, you can honor your parents all you want, but they don't have to be in your business. Yeah. Okay. Side note on that, I say if you get married, you want to live close enough that mom and dad can visit, but far enough away they need to call because it's a long drive home when you don't answer the door. <laughs> um, the other one is, and I just listened to this the other couple months ago, The Great Sex Rescue. Sheila Gregory wrote that. And she also writes a book called, and we haven't listened to it yet, Good Girl's Guide, Guide to Great Sex and Good Boy's Guide to Great Sex. Christian author. It debunks a lot of the old stuff that is taught. Like what? What would be an uh, example of that? Okay, so you're gonna, so I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> Two books that I do not recommend anymore is Love and Respect. And what is it? Uh, what was that? A, that one about? I mean, obviously the title, but okay. Like, why do you not recommend? Is what I mean. I'll, I'll tell you that. In okay. And the other one is the Praying Wife. Praying Wife. Okay. Because both of them put so much responsibility on the wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if your husband looks at porn, it's your fault because you need to pray more. Okay. Yes. Just pray through it. Or else, or else if he's doing this, it's your fault because you're not, you're not opening yourself enough up enough sexually. That's that old school. Like, well, if something's wrong, just pray harder and read the Bible more. Yes, that is good, but that that doesn't solve everything. So much in love and respect, you have to respect your husband. And all he has to do is love you. I'll tell you what, my wife wants love, but she wants respect too. Yeah. And I've, I've got papers on it at home that, that actually show where it is and the damage it does in relationships. Yeah. So that, that's, that's where you get the, um, you must submit type stuff. Gotcha. So those are some. Then the other one, and here's my churchy answer. Are you ready? Give it. 
the Bible. Yeah. If you want to do something, get, and this was so life-changing for me, get a good study Bible and go to Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 and chase that sucker all the way out because it's going to make you feel like you've missed the mark so bad. Are you going to, are you going to cite that scripture or you may look it up? No, I will look it up. Let's look it up. Ephesians what now? 5.22.23.33. You should know it. 5.22. Aren't you a pastor? For wives, I, I skipped this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 22. Uh, well, now let's start. We'll go back to 21. And the, the title of this section is Spirit-Guided Relationships, Wives and Husbands. So if 21, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's making we Christ. Always, we always leave that part out. Wait. Jesus has to be in it. Yeah. So submit out of reverence for Christ. Christ is number one. Christ is the center of it all. And then 22 says for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Then go on to 25 for the husbands. Mm-hmm. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did it this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. 28, let's go ahead. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So that puts a great weight and burden on the man. Especially if you, you start with a with a study Bible and you start chasing that back and chasing it back and chasing it back. You know, and it's I didn't I've got all the papers at home, but when I did that, I was like, Oh man. And that's why I always come back with I'd much rather be a woman than some men. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like man you know I, I never imagined that god really wanted me to do all of this for my wife yeah because we, so many times we read the first part we stop oh yeah we're good at that when we read the bible yeah we get we read the part we like eat drink and be merry boom you i could be an alcoholic you bet. let's party guys but uh Let's see. Make sure I'm not missing any questions now, remember guys if you have any questions you can post them in the comments and we will respond we're getting close to the end, so if you got some questions, go ahead and get them ready. So now, personally, did you did you sell the books you recommended? Did you say yeah. Okay. Uh, personally, how do you handle? And we kind of touched on this earlier a little bit. How do you handle all of this, carrying this on your shoulders emotionally when you unable when you're unable to do the task that you are trying to do when you're unable to do the job you feel early. <laughs> Go for a ride. Sometimes I go for, sometimes I take the long way home. Okay. Yeah. But honestly, this is what I learned real quick in life. I do not save a marriage. I do not save a person. I do not, I cannot take credit for any win that there is in life. Because if I take credit for a win, then I have to take responsibility for loss. Mm. That was, that was so evident to me when I worked at the VA. I had, I had people come in and say, oh man, if it wasn't for you, I'd be this, I'd be that. And I'd say, no, it's not it. First client that I had that committed suicide. Hmm. If I took those wins, I had to take that loss. So I'm a vessel. That's a, seriously. Yeah. You're a vessel. You get up and you speak what God tells you to speak. Yeah. I'm a vessel. I believe God gave me gifts and gave me wisdom in this aspect. 
and all I can do is share it. And if if it's a win, you guys did it, and we're going to give glory to God. Yeah. If it's a loss, sorry, it hurts. Don't get me wrong. It. Yeah. Every time there's a failed marriage, or I hear about, I'm like, dude, you missed it. What did you miss? If I if I see, and this is the other, if I see couples that come in, like for pre marriage counseling, they're divorced. My first question is this: What role did you play in your last divorce? Mm. I don't care if that guy had an affair with fifteen women that's got thirty kids on the side. What role did you play in it? Yeah, that's and important to know. Some, there's something you did or did not do. And the next one is, is how do you prevent that from happening again? You got to be aware of it. Those two questions can change your life. They, it can. Yeah, I can I can tell you the role I played in my last, my divorce. Real simple. Realize you actually had a part in it. And then what can you do different next time? If we could all ask that in multiple areas of our lives, imagine how much better our so lives could be. When I spoke in Nebraska, everyone was shocked, right? I tell people that two things I, I, I don't have regrets about because the outcome was great in my eyes. Number one, I wish I would have been a stronger Christian. I was saved when I was in high school, but when I was in the military, I, no. Yeah. Okay. But if I was, if I would have been a stronger Christian, I wouldn't have had my oldest son because he was conceived out of wedlock. He's a great kid. Yeah. The other one is I sometimes wonder if I could have fought harder for my first marriage. Now, believe me, I, I, I'm not trading Lori for anyone. Okay. And I understand that completely. <laughs> but you got to sit back and go, okay, what if? Yeah. I've had those thoughts. Like, kind of like, did I do everything I should have yeah. done? Or, which, and, I mean, in hindsight, probably not. No, I could have done things different, but I didn't. But hindsight with me, my choices was not a stable foundation. I met a girl in a Muslim country, got pregnant. In a Muslim country, what do you do? You get married in the Muslim country. I was your green card to come back to the States. There was no love there to begin with. Yeah. But I asked myself, okay, so what do I do now in my relationship to make sure that doesn't happen? And that's anything she wants. Yeah. My first marriage was my boot camp in a lot of ways. And it was for me, and I told Jesse this because Jesse jokingly, you know, she was in her mid 20s and I was in my late 20s. She's like, where, where were you at all those years? You know? We could have we could have had a, a different life or not necessarily different, but had more of each other longer. And uh, I told her she used to ask a lot, like, why'd you take so long? She like grabbed my arm like she's mad, like <laughs> like it's getting to her. Where were you at? Why didn't you find me sooner? I said, I wasn't I wasn't ready for you yet. I would I had a lot of things in me that I needed to buff out before I got to her to treat her and be to be the man that she could respect, to be the man that that would lift her and encourage her and be be someone that was as close as God would allow to get to deserve her. Because yeah. other than that, it would have ended the same way. Because I wasn't, I was not the person I needed to be. I had to go through some serious fire to be to be purified. See, my answer would have been, "You were in grade school." That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. Faith and Failures podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It would mean a great deal to me if you download, share, and subscribe so you can be notified every time I put out a new episode. Once again, thank you and see you next time on Faith and Failures.